Welcome to Face It. I'm your host, Matt, and I'm here with Josh, and I'm also with an amazing guest uh, from the hit movie in Nigeria, Nimbe. Uh, I got Lemon here, who uh, plays the role of Lemon, of course, and he is named Toby Marrow, which is an amazing last name, Toby. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Pleased to be here. Oh, that's awesome. It's so crazy. Like I, I, before we started the interview, I was blown away by the fact that we're able to call from two different countries completely and have this amazing conversation right now. Exactly. Oh man. Yes. And not just that, the way we discovered the film, we just happened upon it on Netflix. Like without Netflix, this would not be happening. So thanks Netflix. Yeah. Thanks Netflix. Uh, yeah. Thanks Netflix. Like Netflix. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> so how did you guys go about getting the movie on Netflix? Was that just like a whole process on its own? Okay, I, I think, okay, good. Can I start? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay, so um, you, in February, in February, uh, Netflix officially came to Nigeria. Wow. That was, there was this Netflix Niger, like Netflix is officially in Nigeria, like they set up shop in Nigeria. I think it was part of their, um, um, their policy for like emerging markets. So I think that itself, introduced um, opportunities for people that had created movies in the past because Nimbe was shot in 2018 and yeah. it was in the cinemas last year. So it's not, it's re relatively not a new movie. Mm -hmm. You get, so, so I, 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 so there were, there's like, there's been this um, pooling for content. So I, the producer came around and was like, okay, this is this movie that I created, which was his own debut movie. That was his first movie. Um, that's a record, and he um, pitched for it to get into the hands of Netflix and of course, because there is an organization here in Nigeria that deals with Netflix like that and says, okay, they had like the middlemen between um, producers and the Netflix company. That's amazing. That's so crazy that you guys were able to get on board with that so quickly and like how Nigeria has their own like Netflix in general now, that's, it's blowing my mind yes. that Netflix is able to mm -hmm. diverse themselves so much with audiences. Like I remember when they, the I think, uh, they added Netflix, uh, India stuff and Japan and Korea. And it's just, it's slowly like building content. And it's amazing because now you really get to see around the world, how other people watch their content and what kind of content they make, you know, like what kind of artistic exactly. form they see in their daily life, which yeah. I think is amazing. Um, so how did you get involved in making Nimbe? Okay. Um, okay. So, so I was in 300 level. That's my third year in university. And okay. So I studied theater arts in the university of Ibadan. While I was studying that, um, we had this two months, like three months of it where you go out and you go get some like field work. Um, it's kind of like, it's a theoretical branch. I'm not going to answer details here. Um, but while I was, okay, so I was staying in, I'll try not to get stuff confused. So I, the university okay. is in Ibadan. Okay. Or your state. Yeah. So just think about like Ibadan is like its own place, but it's not like um, Lagos. So let me, let me try and explain something. No problem. Um, Lagos, think of Lagos like New York. Okay, cool. Literally New York is like the center of, like New York and Los Angeles. It's like the center of everything. Yeah. Happening. If you want to get on stage, yeah, in New York, you want to get on film, yeah. Los Angeles, right? Yeah. Am I correct? I'm correct, right? Yeah, you're yeah. absolutely correct. Yep. Okay, so good. So, but um, that's the way Lagos, I don't know if you know it, like 
Some people call it Lagos. It's called Lagos. It's like the center of Nigeria. If you're going to Nigeria, you're going to Lagos. That's the way people think about it. So that's also where Nollywood, Nigeria's own Hollywood, is based. So I was studying in um, um, Ibadan, which was like, think of, I'm, I'm trying to like, be on the same page with you. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm getting the image. I'm getting your image. Exactly. Yeah. Somewhere else. A yeah. state that does not have like <laughs> its own film industry. Yeah. So, um, so I decided to do my own IT in Lagos. And when I moved to Lagos, I told myself, okay, so why don't I just like get, um, let me, why don't I just audition? Like I'll just go for auditions. I mean, yeah, why not? To be fun. Just, I had a lot of free, free time on my hands. So I, I started going to auditions. And the funny thing was that Nimbe was my first audition. Really? Ever. <laughs> know, well, right? you nailed it then, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I did, I did. And it was like, it was really, it was a really humbling process for me because it was, I was just there. I mean, if for anyone that's a film buff, to be on set and see people work in real time, it's always, it's always, how do I put it? It's always a dream. It's like, you know, that stuff you say you can do without getting paid. Mm-hmm. That, that's the way it was for me. So I was on set. I got to work, to work with all these wonderful people. We, I got to work with stars within Nollywood. And yeah. I mean, that itself was, it's an experience that I will carry till, till, till the end. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So to our knowledge, the, uh, the biggest star in the film was the, the character who played the father, or the guy who played the father uh, figure. Yes. He's, he's really big in Nigeria there, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. He definitely is. Oh, that's amazing. So like you got to stand like right beside basically like a, a Johnny Depp or a, like a, a Bruce Lee or something exactly. you know, for you, which exactly. is really crazy. By, by Nigerian standards. Yeah. Exactly. Because he is like, okay, so in, because Nigeria is multilingual, like we have 450 ethnic tribes that is divided into just think about how like the pool of languages that people speak is really, really diverse. Yeah, you guys would have um, so many languages there. So what the most prominent one that is not English, that is ethnic, is Yoruba. Like that's Yoruba. That's my name. Toby. Yeah. Toby is Yoruba. So okay. um so within Nollywood, there is the English speaking industry and there is also the Yoruba speaking industry. Okay, that's pretty yeah. cool. So I hear what you're saying. Yeah, so so like there are movies made that are spoken in Yoruba purely, like just Yoruba movies. They're they're released in own video format and they're like very popular with the masses. Like most people that grew up, if not everybody that grew up in Lagos, anywhere in Nigeria actually, has watched the Yoruba movie growing up and they release them very, very quickly. So he is like the star, like the biggest star in the Yoruba film industry. That's really That's, cool. Yeah. Oh man. Josh himself here, uh, he's he's like gone to school for directing, so mm-hmm. he can completely get oh, yeah that that uh, the feeling that feeling of being on set and just watching everyone work yeah. and just being in amazement. Mm-hmm. It's yeah to die for. And like you said, you you could do it for free and you wouldn't care. Um, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I have not released my film yet. Um, but we were up late nights, early mornings, and I wouldn't trade it for a thing. So I completely understand. Um, 
Now, what was specifically just your filming process like during Nimbe? So what scenes did you shoot? How did the director sort of direct you? That sort of thing. Just give me details, stories. Okay, so um, my, my, funny enough, which I think it's really, really beautiful. My scene was the first scene, my own scene. So like, you know, naturally, I was, that was like my first time on set. So mm. um, I was introduced for the first time to the non-linear um, non way of shooting scene. Like the AD comes with all this, um, with the production schedule and tells you, okay, you're shooting this scene before this scene, before that scene. And I was coming from stage. Um, pardon me if I don't go straight to the point immediately, but I, I was coming from stage and you know where stage is, right? Yeah, I, um, I did a little bit of stage sh- before. Yes. And I was way you rehearse everything linearly like that. So um, okay, let me let me just take it day by day. I got a call, and from there I was told to be on set. When I got on set, I met the um, we already had like a meeting in the audition and everything. I was given my production um, schedule, and I was told, okay, my the shooting schedule actually, um, and I was told, okay, this is when you're sh- um, going to be on set. And I was okay. I was going to be like in a week. I was going to be on set like three days. I said, okay, good. That's good. So when I got on set, um, since it was my own scene first, Nollywood, Nollywood is not as I mean, of course, it's definitely not as big as Hollywood. It's nowhere near. But we try our best to um, make the best with what we have. So I think maybe a lot like the indie film mm-hmm. industry in um, America. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we work with what we have, um, on, on set there were, I think that was, that was the first time I was going to see red cameras and the, everybody was there. It was a full team, I mean, a few full collaborative team. And, um, I worked with the director, Tokwe Alake, mm-hmm. that was his name. Um, Tokwe Alake was a actor's, he's an actor's director. Mm-hmm. And I remember the scene, one of the scenes I was going, I was prepping for, was a scene where I was going to get intimate with the other character. Remember her, Beju, mm-hmm. that um, my character raped. Yeah, um, that's a crazy so, scene. Sorry for cutting you off there. But yeah, no you, you had a, an, a hard, I'm sure, like a hard time trying to figure out how to portray that role. And especially for your first role, too. That is very deep and very emotional material. Thank you so much. I My approach with the character was, I felt, okay, so the character is, is, he sells drugs, but he does the dangerous part. That's, gets the drugs from the dealers and brings it to, like, the, the, the sellers. So he's called the runner. Mm-hmm. In my mind, I, I thought to myself, after reading the script over and over again, I said to myself, okay, what if I use this, the theme of running? Like, you notice, I don't know if you notice, but the character never seemed to be at rest. It was just, even when he was sitting down and talking to her, there was this sense of urgency, like he needed to be somewhere sometime. So I felt that was, after like, after a while, I felt, okay, that's the best way I can get to the character, like be able to understand. Because I, I, whenever I'm portraying, I mean, I have like a very, um, my, my facial features, tend to lend me towards villainous characters, characters that are bad guys a lot. So I've had <laughs> my show of bad guys in the past. But um, I, I, I noticed, oh, okay, so I, I noticed that his own character 
it is, can easily be misjudged. Of course, he did something very evil. But if I were to judge the character from that perspective, I won't be playing his truth. So to my own, to my, to the best of my own abilities, what I did was I just felt in my heart that as that character, where every time I was wearing his skin, there was a sense of searching. There was a sense of running. There was a sense of not being at peace. Even if there was nothing, like I'm always in trouble or there's always something coming to get me. Yeah, that was my kind of my approach with the character. And when you, if, if and when you brought this approach to the director, what did he say about it? Was it more like, this sounds great? Or was it like a, no, let's do something else? I'm just curious how the, how it all. No, he was actually very receptive because one of the first things, I mean, when I got on set, I was shy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a bold person. I can be bold, but I mean, there was so much happening. So I was, I was overwhelmed. But he helped me. And I'm happy that he was my first, um, was my first on-screen director because what he told me then was, okay, he sat us down. I said, okay, let's talk about your character. And I say, speaking, um, the other lady there, wonderful actress, she too, she said, she was speaking to her and she was talking about her own character. So she was speaking about her own character and we're like, get in, in tune. So I, I told him about my own approach and he was, yeah, he was, he was totally down for it. But he was, okay, he wanted to be sure that it was not necessarily like something that I, I mean, it's on the nose when you think about it. The character that runs, mm-hmm. the character that runs, that has the theme of running. I mean, he wanted me to explain it. And I was able to explain it to him. And he kind of led me. I think he was more, very, very free with his own, he had his own directorial vision of how it was going to work. But somehow our understanding of, our, of the characters um, aligned and it helped us. So there was no, there was no hassle. There's no problem. Yeah, that sounds that sounds really, really good. That's what you want, especially for a first time actor, right? You want someone to go, that sounds good. Let me help you, right? That's very much Yeah. I went to school good. for um, you know, directing and you know, the whole production side of it, not much of the acting sense, but a big part of directing is teaching how to direct actors. And one of the main things is what he did, which is guide you guys along make sure you're comfortable and make sure that you're doing it right. And that sounds like exactly what he was doing. Um, exactly. Yeah. One of the main things I, from that scene specifically your first day, how did you feel kind of confronting that sort of material? And do you think it was, do you think it was faithful? Do you think how looking back at it and maybe even looking at the finished film, do you feel, how do you feel about it? I am very, it's only recently that I started appreciating my own work. Mm-hmm. Um, I have like, sorry, please pardon me. I kind of like go long-winded anytime I start like conversations. I will talk about something if you don't mind. Hey, don't worry. We, we do not care. You got, you talk that's, a lot. That's it's very the interesting. whole point of a podcast, <laughs> my friend. It's okay. Don't <laughs> okay. worry. So I, I, before my first film, I had like three years on stage where I was, I've been acting and breaking down characters. So it was something of an added advantage for me. But I was also, I'm always very critical, very, very critical of my performances. So yeah, I, when I played the character, there were, of course, there were gaps in my mind. One, one thing I should note though, is one, when you think, when you hear about, um, 
pardon me for doing com for comparing all the time, but I mean, a lot for a lot of Nollywood people in Nollywood, Hollywood is the standard. Um, it's time. It's time. It's time. A lot of times, um, actors are not necessarily given enough time to prepare for their roles, um, and as such, it's possible to botch a role. It's possible to like get on on screen and not necessarily have a full understanding, whatever that means. I mean, no, completely. Um, I never truly understand the character. But, um, um, so for, for me, when, when I when I was done with the role, um, I, there was this sense of self-loathing first because I I, I I felt like there was there was so much I could do with it. I mean, it was so bad that I did not go. <laughs> I did not even go to the premiere because I I didn't I couldn't watch myself. Oh no! I so, so found it hard. <laughs> I found it hard to watch myself. It was later that I eventually watched it, um, but. When, when I look back, I mean, where I was at that time and looking at where, where my character fits in the big puzzle of the story, I felt like I actually did not give myself credit enough. I, I think I did well. I actually did. And, and I kind of give, I give the character just that I, I give the character um, his own part to tell. I, I did justice. You definitely did. And it, it, you're right about the fact being that like, you know, Hollywood and uh, Nollywood and just any uh, actor's guild in general needs to be more open, I think, to the idea of allowing the actor to have more time to find their creative path about the character. Like not everybody is Christopher Nolan and they have the time to, you know, dive into a character exactly. for a whole year and live mm -hmm. like a homeless man and then go and play the role. And it's just, not everybody has that time, money, or consistency to be able to do that. They still mm -hmm. have to get other stuff done, right? So mm -hmm. I, I completely agree with you. Having more time to be able to prepare for a role is something that I, I think is totally necessary. Yes, exactly. Very, very true. Very, very true. Uh, and very, very true. how did you, and I guys get, because you guys got Nollywood nomination, right? For the film as well as a UK festival nomination? Like, how did you guys get into that? That's pretty freaking cool. I, I know it's cool. You know, funny, funny thing is that I, I am not in the best position to answer that question because um, it's the producer that yeah. did all of that legwork. But Absolutely. I imagine he has been pushing it. The funny thing is this, is he was so confident with his um, own, with his work because there was no budget for marketing. Yeah. Ah. There was no budget. How the, the role, the movie um, grew to become what it has become now is largely on its own merit, story-wise, and um, of course, yes, I think on its own merit. Um, the beauty was that when it eventually did get on Netflix, when people watched it, they were like, ooh, we love this, and word of mouth, because we, there was no campaign, you get so I imagine he must have put it in and the thing got the, um, and there's a word we use here in Nigeria, accolades. That's how we, we propose it. I like it. Accolades that he deserved. Yeah. So definitely. And how did the Nigerian government play into the film's creation? Because I noticed at the end of the film, it, uh, that it said that it was uh, supported or helped by the Nigerian government. What, what's yeah. so were you guys just given funding for that thing because i know you were saying that you guys 
didn't have much funding just now so i'm not sure like what did they assist you guys with there or was it just like for the uh the fact of the drug campaign to help like uh for the drug abuse because i know the whole overarching film is to get across that you know drugs shouldn't be taken lightly so the stories, the, the movie is very thematic, yeah. and it falls in line with a lot of governmental organizations, uh, mottos, and plans, so to say. So um, the producer approached a couple of, I mean, wrote plans, pitched to them, and um, they supported. What they supported with exactly, I am not privy <laughs> to. That's okay. Not necessarily privy to. And I imagine that there might be some non-disclosure for it. So I'm sure, I'm I sure. I won't speculate, but um, the role, the general role of the Nigerian government in Nollywood is um, somewhat tenuous. And pardon me if I'm sounding <laughs> artificial. No, it's I, okay. I, 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 I can't find the word to say. I, somehow it's, um, it's bittersweet. Yes, I think I can say that because yeah. there is... I mean, any art person, anybody in the arts world or field will say that any, any government is not, um, that their governments are not contributing enough. That's what, everybody always wants a bigger budget. Oh, please, that kind of stuff. So I imagine it's a sentiment that runs up in every, almost every country. It's, um, yeah, but in I Nigeria, can confirm. Put, I can um, confirm that's a, that's a, when I was doing my short film, it was like, why couldn't they just help us a little bit more? That's a thing. Yeah, it's everywhere. <laughs> so don't worry. We, I completely understand. Exactly. So they, I wouldn't lie to you. There is not much to go by when it comes to, um, to support from government. Although, although there is the bank of industry in Nigeria that has been, they could always do more. That's the truth. But I'm Nollywood itself. I mean, this is, if you look at Nollywood historically, um, there is, there was the time when it was, the own video era that was the 90s to the early 2000s and now we're in the cinema era and from i mean the streaming era is already coming and taking which is happening the, the is all over <laughs> all over the world um but the cinema era in nigeria is relatively new um if you were to go back like six years before now um nigerian movies were not showing in cinemas what was showing in cinemas however was american movies um yeah a lot mostly american movies ah, that's so awful it was, like american that, movies are great like yeah you know but like it just not being able to have the recognition in your own country even to to see these movies that you know are made by um other nigerians or like other african people right like it's just it's kind of it's amazing that they're able to do it now but like it's just it sucks it took so long to get to that point yeah Definitely, I, I share that sentiment exactly. Um, there was, uh, I don't know if you've heard of um, Kunle Apolayo. Um, no. <laughs> no, we, ha we haven't heard of it. No. Okay, yeah, no, no. So he was like a pioneer in the field. Yeah. And um, it was kind of person, it was one of the first individuals to push for a Nigerian movie to be in the cinema. I think a lot of what caused um, um, a lack of uh, movies out there in that space was um, there's this stigma with film. I mean, I mean, it's, there's the glamour abroad. I don't know so much. So I don't want to speculate either. 
But in, in, in an African setting where a lot of things are working, like, I mean, if you're, a child is growing up and a child says that he wants to become a filmmaker, uh, you're not necessarily going to take it well. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to take it well. <laughs> and also, they're not, they're not, they were, back then, there were not so many film schools. There were not film schools like that. So film in Nigeria is growing. It's, that's its infantile um, process. It's just growing and it's becoming something really, really beautiful. I mean, you're, we're seeing new voices, um, new investments. Are, a lot of investment is coming in and it's pouring in. Um, I just saw a statistic where they were like, um, um, Nollywood employs over 1 million Nigerians. I mean, for wow. the economy itself, that's something to think so much about. So I think we're talking about the government. So if we tie if we're to tie it in, so the general conversation of how much has the government supported um, Nollywood, I would say not enough. Um, I would say they can do more. I would say, it, but I, I am hopeful that a time will come, and it's coming, I mean, a time will come when um, the national budget will deliberately um, include film and um, the arts in its budget and, of course, purposefully disburse these funds because, I mean, I see creatives, I see what some of my colleagues are just doing with iPhones, and it blows my mind that, man, these stories should get out there. I mean, I mean, you've heard of the critics, those Nigerian boys that, um, um, that the Russo brothers, um, not, not, okay, the Kurudu boys, the Kurudu boys that the Russo brothers tweeted on Twitter. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. The Kurudu boys that just recreate. I mean, that's just with, so yeah. So, yeah. I'm not <laughs> part of me. Man. That's okay. Speaking, I can talk all day. <laughs> I know, that's that's okay. yeah. Speaking of that experimentality, um, when we were doing some, you know, research on you, trying to figure out what other stuff you've done, we came across your uh, Instagram first. How you described yourself as a minimalist. How would you? How would you kind of describe what that is? Okay, so it, it boils down to the way I approach. Um, approach life in general. There is, there is theory I have about almost every Nigerian is how all Africans actually in general, where there is no welfare system for them to fall back on. Um, everybody, every African or every, almost, let me not say every, that's, that would be so, that would be so presumptive of me. Um, um, most people living in developing countries or third world countries are living on bare necessities. Um, and I'm not saying that they're starving or any of the narrative that is mm-hmm. shown on Western media, no offense. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not taking that. I'm just saying that there is almost, there's actually, there's hardly ever the room for excessiveness. Like, oh, I want to get this, oh, because I can loan this, I can maybe buy a car that I don't need or um, go shopping when I don't have to. Those things don't necessarily exist in the, um, in the narrative of an average 
Nigeria because I mean we're still you have to still deal with necessities on your hands like okay now the power is going to go off so I have to like twirl a gen and like get the generator running so what I mean with what money am I going to use to go and go on spree it's it's like it doesn't exist so when when I think about that I mean it's true of me it's true of a lot of people that I know um I find out that most times, because of the way media has impacted the average youth, um, we want, we find ourselves wanting, like wanting more, and that causes a deep dissatisfaction um, within within any individual that finds itself in that part. That consumerism culture, and you you can't sustain a consumerism culture within a within a society that does not necessarily support that consumerism within itself, where the minimum wage is really low. So it doesn't, it can't work. And where the government is not going to give you welfare. So there is no, there's no reason. So I, I find myself, um, like a year or two years, two years ago, I, I stumbled on the old, I mean, I, I imagine it's still moving around in America, the old minimalist wave. I don't know if it seems to be, from what I can see on YouTube, it's like everybody's a minimalist these days. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, there's a certain, well, in a, in a sense, we kind of call them hipsters as you're kind of living off the earth, you know, not much technology. Like, yeah. <laughs> See, I personally have just started to find some Buddhism in my life. And uh, yeah, like, and the biggest thing about a lot of the shaman or, you know, Buddhist uh, people say, or like monks or, you know, um, they they basically say like, you know, having the least amount of things in your life to worry about or just having the least amount of things in general. Mm. It, you're a happier person. It's less things you have to worry about. Mm -hmm. You're not worrying about all these bondage and bound things that you've collected over your lifespan. It's not really important. Like, and yeah, having these things, focus on what's important. Yeah, exactly. And it allows you to focus on what's important. And that's kind of what I've started to do in my life as well. Is like, I, I, I maybe not directly minimal minimalist fully, but like I've definitely started to try and minimalize things in my life to make you know life completely i guess happier i've been trying to i guess soul search find that that zen in my life in a way mm. so i'm trying to get to where you are that happy point where you know um you, everything's kind of like leveled out you know you just feel you feel good about everything uh, oh, it's a positive journey. vibe right <laughs> the constant is a constant journey you keep on yeah. moving man you keep on moving i i i find that Stepping back away from noise because there's so much noise. Absolutely, there's so much noise. Like there's there's noise in the sky when you look up and you, you can't see the stars. There is noise on the media when um, news becomes serious. News becomes entertainment and and political bickering. There is noise when you go on social media and somebody's flashing you a light that doesn't necessarily um, that might not necessarily be a true representation of what they are on passing through. So it's you. Detaching yourself, like I, there's this word called, I mean, um, unplugging yourself. Mm -hmm. You unplug yourself from that system, step back and ask yourself what matters. Exactly. For me, it's film, film and storytelling and, and acting. That matters to me. So if that matters, if that's what matters, then why am I bothering myself about that and this? So for me, so when, when I say I'm, I am a minimalist. I, I, I approach myself. I'm looking at, first of all, the society I exist within and my own inner man, who I am and what I want. 
because okay, so there's this thing, there is stuff I don't I know. I imagine you're familiar with it about how um, the character, the hero's journey, mm-hmm. um, and how every every individual is going through, um, like taking from going from a place of rest into the abyss and coming out and going, and that's how our life is exactly. on a daily basis, um, and that's what makes life interesting. I mean. I understand. I can imagine what the abyss is for me within what I love. If right. I were to now add things that are just additives that are not necessarily needed for me, and I have to go through the abyss with those ones too, then what's what's the point? I, I feel it. It it doesn't enhance me, your development as a person. Exactly. You know, it doesn't exactly. help you get to the end goal. You know, of of getting to full realization in a way, right? Exactly. So, I don't know uh, if COVID's been a, a huge issue in Nigeria, but here in Canada, like people have been going crazy over it. Mm-hmm. Like uh, everybody has to wear masks here in a store. Everybody has to wear masks uh, when they go out. Like you have to be six feet in distance, or you get like a ticket. Uh, it's it's kind of crazy, but you know, on top of that, the death rate, you know, is always ever increasing in certain parts uh in canada like in quebec they just aren't taking it seriously at all that are doing basically what the state's doing and just like saying yeah you guys can just deal with it Mm -hmm. yeah they're not taking it as serious at all okay so um okay are you asking me like how is it in nigeria are they taking it seriously yeah how is it there how are you guys handling it so I think I think the story runs very very similar with a lot of places. So um, in Nigeria, I, I told you about Lagos, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. If you're in Lagos, it's very serious. People don't you are, you don't I mean you don't move in groups. You don't. Everyone's wearing masks. If you don't wear masks, you can be I mean either fined or um, harassed or there are a lot of things that can happen. If you're the police, you don't want to play with police from that perspective. But um, I, right now, I'm like, I'm in Abuja. Abuja is like the, um, is the capital of, um, of Nigeria. And where I stay in Abuja is kind of very, very, it's like countryside. It's very, very secluded. Those ones don't even, they, here, we don't even, they don't even act like it's, it's not like they don't know. But man, they tried. It was this all in the beginning, everybody was wearing face masks, and after a while, okay, I mean, yeah, we tried. It's not sexy. Yeah, like where, where the people that they were expecting people to drop dead on the streets. I think that's the, <laughs> the idea that I mean, I'm, I'm, I shouldn't be laughing about this, but I mean, hey, you know, you can make the, it's it's nice to make fun of a, a dark matter, you know what I mean? It's exactly. nice to, to make sometimes, yeah, exactly. Like, so, yeah, so everybody's like, everybody is. There are people that are taking it seriously. There are some people that are not taking it seriously. I think so far I've only known one person. I've heard of a lot of people that died about um, from it. It's, I mean, that's that's really tragic, and yeah. my heart goes to every one of their families. But Absolutely. there are some people that like, I know one person that actually had COVID, recovered. Yeah, that's um, good. My own former. Hey there. Oh, that's amazing that they were able to beat it. Yeah, they were able to. They were able to. Like, I know someone that, that was able to. Yeah, it's it. So it's that kind of. So I, I'm from the government's perspective. The government has been like, really trying to enforce it. But then, I mean, just like 
politics, man. There are people that are not, even within the government, like, are not taking it as seriously as they should. Absolutely. So it's like giving like two different feedbacks to the people. So while some people are like, ooh, you see some people that are are not doing what should be. I mean, every politician, I mean, if you're going to push the agenda, if the government is going to push the agenda that everyone should wear face masks, every time you see a celebrity or a politician, you should all wear face masks. Absolutely. The people that are, a lot of them that actually are wearing it. I mean, we had a, um, the the, um, chief of staff died of COVID. Wow. Yeah, so it's not a joke. And then people... People realized that it was not a joke yeah. when he died. So it's, I mean, um, so yeah. So they are taking it serious. It's hard to know the climate. I mean, if I, if I were to tell you about my own environment, I'll tell you that people are taking it as seriously as as an alien invasion. Nobody cares. Yeah. But if you are going to like a suburb, a city, you don't wear the face mask, police could arrest you. So yeah. It just depends on where um, the government has. Um, oversight so it seems that way kind of like all over the world then because i i've noticed a few of my friends in the states like they live in some like i have a friend who lives in texas who they don't take it seriously at all they're like but his family is but like majority of the area doesn't extremely care for the mass like they're the type like the people he lives around he describes as the types to say that you know i should have gun rights and i you know i'm okay with wearing a seatbelt. But then when it comes to covering my face, it's like, no, this isn't okay. This is an outrageous uh, instance to our country. And it's just like, but what? They're helping other people. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah, I don't know. How, I don't get it. You're okay with wearing a seatbelt? I, mean, I, I see it as a know. small sacrifice, even if yeah. you don't believe in it. It's, it's very it's small. Yeah. Very small sacrifice. Absolutely. Yeah. Human beings have this weird paradox where they totally despise structure but they thrive on it. They need someone there to tell them what to do, but they will um, endlessly push against that direction. No, I don't need it, despite really, really needing it. It's weird, and it's unique, and who knows what the issue or how to solve it, but... Oh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, that's it, yeah. I don't think you heard what you said. Yeah, so, yeah, people, they have that stuff where they say, okay, no, 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 this is... They're like, oh, this is wrong. But then you shouldn't leave that to their own devices because if you do, then they're like, why are you leaving us alone and that kind of stuff? So it's, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's kind of relationship citizens have with their own government mm-hmm. where the government has to do it right. You get that kind of stuff. But if the government, if the government, like, if the government says, oh, no, people do. Oh, did you cut out? Oh. Hello. Can you hear me? Oh, oh there we go. You're good now. Okay, perfect. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that. I totally understand. I totally, that's okay. No worries. I totally understand. Totally understand. Um, I just have some tiny little questions. Um, just Please. about Nimbe uh, and then some of the oh, stuff yeah. that you've worked on. Um, we previously okay. mentioned you being on the set for the first time and just kind of being overwhelmed by the amount of stuff going on. How many mm-hmm. people would you say are on the set usually? Um, anything between like four, 30 to 40, like 40, oh, wow. 30, 40 people. Wow. At the time. I mean, we have, we have like, we have those in charge of welfare. We have, um, don't mind me, I say with food because I love food. Don't mind me. 
Um, <laughs> and we have um, the director, we have the ADs, we have the sound guys, we have the lighting um, department there. We have, of course, a couple of extras and, and the rest. We have, um, yeah, I think you pull all of those people together. They can be as many as 30, 30 people in one place at a time. Wow, that's... The, the reason I ask is because I think there's that, I think you mentioned earlier, there's kind of this Western narrative where, you know, uh, the amount of people that are, you know, working there or how it works are just so small and so like, you know, unprofessional that they don't know what they're doing. And just from how you're describing it, like right now, just through this talk is very much professional. I'm very surprised. And I'm kind of humbled by the fact that like the, the amount of work that you guys are doing and how serious you take it and how much is growing. I think it's really impressive, and I think I really hope that you continue with your your journey in acting and the, the every single crew member that worked on it. It's really impressive. I'm very Thank very humbled so and appreciate it. Thank um, you so much. And one other question I had during this research, we found your VR stuff, and uh, oh. specifically <laughs> specifically your one where it was like a baptism. You take the camera out into a lake, and there's a and there's a guy in a white uh, white shirt and pants and He's holding the camera and he dunks it under the water and then you come back and take it. I I was really surprised like how um, invested I was in it. I was so interested in it. How do you come up with these kind of ideas and why VR? For me, virtual reality, which is just a moment. Mm, no worries. No worries. I mean... Okay, so I'm, I'm here now. No worries, go ahead. Okay, good. So, um, uh, it all happened after I left school, university. Um, when I was done with my final year, year I, I, I moved to Abuja and I said, okay, I was going to learn. I was just going to like, because I, it's hard to talk about this part without talking about my own past. I, I grew up with this idea that I could do anything as a kid. So I, was always, I always felt like I could do anything. So was, and my parents encouraged me, which I thank them for. <laughs> so um, it's funny that, that okay, so I, I went to science, I studied science. The, the way um, the Nigerian academic structure is, is you study science then um, through your, is secondary school, it's called secondary school. So, when you get to senior secondary, you choose whether you're going to do science alone or you're going to do arts or you're going to do commerce. Um, so I, I chose science. And so I've always had this deep love for technology, like love, I love technology. I, even, I dabble in programming and um, stuff. Okay, so when, when I left uni, um, I, I moved to Abuja, wanted to get a job that would fund my uh, acting lifestyle, like a day job, something flexible. And I um, met an individual a woman. She actually had, she had like virtual reality um, boxes, like VR boxes, the um, Oculus Quest, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Oculus Go is actually then the quest that Noya come up. So she said, okay, well, she has this um, and she doesn't know, she, but she wants to create content with it. So I said, oh, we can do it. I was like, I, told her, <laughs> I mean, I, I'd never done it before. <laughs> so I was like, ah, oh, no, 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 we'll do this. So, <laughs> and she had this um, set of V, this set of V camera. Mm-hmm. So I, we just told her, give us a week. And, and I say we because I had like my my buddy, my best friend was we moved to Abuja together. So she gave me she gave us the camera. I was like, just give us a week. We're trying to do some stuff. That week, that week, oh, we did and we shot everything. <laughs> we knew the camera inside and out. We just kept so that when we came back, we're like, oh yes, now we know. So <laughs> I, I, for me, what virtual reality did for me was. It was a meeting point. It was like this point of convergence between technology. I mean, I mean, there's always a point of convergence with filmmaking when it comes to I mean, camera is science and art at the same time. But for virtual reality, it was more on the nose. I mean, there you have to like shoot 360 format and be thinking about how the story goes. I mean, um, what you saw was a um, it was for, for a friend of mine that does art, as I think he's an artist, um, he does installation art, and that was the, an Igbo baptism. It was like, it was a, it was, he had this thing where he critiques um, the Christian culture, not out of spite, mm-hmm. but um, just like to raise questions that people don't wanna ask, want to ask. So he kind of asks where, okay, he's an Igbo man, I'm um, sorry, Igbo man, like Igbo is like its own tradition here, yeah? just okay. like Yoruba. Like I, I am part Yoruba, part Yoruba. Okay. He's Igbo. So um, he says, okay, what if I take my own tradition and I meet um, Christianity? How do we like, is there, a, is there a point where we can say we can have a conversation? And so the question was, when he met me, we are like, okay, let's talk. How do we pull this off? He already had a concept. It was like, he's going to put it. We're going to go underwater, water, and we're going to make it work. I'm like, oh, underwater. <laughs> this is this for this camera. Okay, how are we going to do it? Okay, how are we going to make it feel? The idea was to, did you watch it in VR? Uh, no, I watched it on my uh, laptop, and I could turn it around with my mouse cursor. <laughs> I, did, so. I did it with my phone, so I was like kind of looking around the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they ha- they have like the super like, super cheap like VRs the one that used to be cardboard that I don't have any yeah, of those. Yeah, like the VR um, cardboard. You do mm-hmm. the VR cardboard. There's this part where you're about to enter the water where it feels like you just kind of feel like in the back of your head. I didn't know. I still can't explain why everyone that tried it had that kind of experience. I mean, maybe it's the part where the brain is trying to understand what's going on. So mm. for me, virtual reality filmmaking just like steps forward like takes what conventional storytelling is and just, you know, because I mean, if you talk about film on screen, it's on a, this rectangular screen, right? It's mm-hmm. like, it's flat. It's as flat as it's deep. What draws us in is the story. But when the story itself, the means of telling the story, I mean, the means of telling a story for, for film, we, we bank on the fact that sound, lighting, the story itself, um, and, um, and um, every other stuff, I mean, sound spectacle and the rest, will suspend disbelief and make the person sitting in the cinema 
to feel like they are actually going with the journey of the story that the director and the actor and everyone that made the film intended. So, so much that when you're watching Dunkirk or, or you're watching Nimbe, you feel, oh, this person is in pain right now. You forget the fact that you are sitting cozy in the cinema and you're feeling the pain that the person is feeling. And that's why someone will cry, that kind of stuff. So that's like so much on its own. But then when you have VR and you put on a VR headset and everywhere you look, it's like it's like what Spielberg did with his um um what's what's Avatar? the movie again? I think Ready it's Ready Player One. Oh, yeah, Ready Player, Player One, one yeah. yeah. Exactly. So I mean, you become a character. Oh, I so see. What the you're idea saying, yeah. of yeah. Yeah. I, I, sorry. Continue. Go ahead. <laughs> I see yeah, where you're going. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So you you become a character, and he's a lot of times the question. There's so many ways. I mean, for that one, you were a character. You were the person being. Um, baptized you're like the object being carried and being baptized under the water or you could be a voyeur and you're just watching the lives of the characters play around you in 360 space mm -hmm. so yeah i hope i didn't speak too much <laughs> no you're good don't man. you, don't you worry that. don't you worry we go off on rants all the time and you know with that like i i personally i use vr chat every once in a while with some friends who do have the rigs and like it's like these people like witnessing some people on VR chat and stuff. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's a game where they basically live like a second life online. And there's literally people who sleep in VR, eat in VR, work in VR. Like it's their life. Wow. And it blows my mind that people can live that way, but I don't know. It's literally right out of ready player one then, you know, like you mm -hmm. have these people living literally the life like ready player one where they, they don't leave their home and they're just getting Amazon orders for all their food. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's such a, it's a new frontier. Like you said, it's pushing forward what yeah. we can do with filmmaking in general. And from the small little snippets I've ever tried it, it's always instantly engaging. Like you're always like, Whoa, what is happening? Exactly. So I'm, I'm excited to see what people do with it. And I'm excited to see if you end up doing any more of it. I think I, from the couple I've saw, seen, I think it's, I, it's interesting. I like it a lot. I especially like the baptism one. That one left a, that one was really investing. I was like, whoa, this is kind of crazy and weird, but I like it. <laughs> and honestly, Thank I've you. had, I've had a few experiences with VR where like it was, uh, this guy had a big rig set up and he purchased it all for like, um, basically rentals. So like people could come in and uh -huh. rent his like room. So it's like a 40 square foot room. That's like, wow. Has all the green screen equipment and stuff. And then you put the uh -huh. Oculus on your face but then it's mocapped the whole room so then when you're wow. playing like games like uh they have like platformer games where you're jumping across like lava platforms it looks like mm -hmm. the lava is coming out of the ground it's exactly. insane i mean you know before what we used to have was um um all those i mean the do we say it's 3d or 6d or 7d yeah. where you're sitting and you're just coming out and you're like oh, <laughs> you're like, oh that's <laughs> now, can get. <laughs> now we can but actually now, touch I mean, it you know, I can... played. I played this game. Um, I played yeah, Star Wars. I, I, you should yeah. actually. I don't know if you played it on on the Quest. I'm pretty sure I know um, what you're talking about, though. The one with Darth Vader in it, right? Oh man, it was. <laughs> I mean, I went on a journey, and I just didn't want to leave. I mean, at one point, <laughs> I was with the saber. You know, I, I'm sorry, I'm like a Star Wars ball. So I. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> Josh like, is a oh, Star Wars. Oh, you saber? I was like, I have a saber in my hand. I'm like, mm -hmm. uh, no, it's just beautiful. It's really uh, great stuff. Oh yeah, and I there was that chance to tell a story. It's just it's mind blowing. Mm -hmm. mind -blowing. I remember. So it's I look forward to the technology. Now it's going to be used in the future mm -hmm. for sure. Going forward.
Is there anything you want to plug before we close up here? Is there any like thing you have going on? Any films you have currently working on that you could maybe uh, uh, lead some of our audience towards? Um, there is the trade trade the movie. It's coming out um, next year. Uh, shot by Jadil Sibero. So fingers crossed. Um, everything works my out well, right and uh, <laughs> there is no delays. I think the pandemic slowed down things. Yeah. So I, 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 fingers crossed. I pray it, everything works out well. That it's been really and yeah, I need to say that. I mean, I really enjoyed this. Absolutely. Matt, Joshua, mm-hmm. I really, really. Honestly, if you want to really, come, really. if you want to give us some movies to watch, and then we can review it together, like the three of us, if you would like to. I would be totally down for that sometime. I would be, that would be like, that would be awesome. <laughs> I didn't say no, man. That would be so awesome. I would really love that. Oh, that I sounds would great. Really, really, really love that. Yeah, totally. Send us a few movies, like Nigerian movies that you really love, and we'll check them okay. out. And then we'll figure out times and stuff, and we'll schedule uh, a review with one of those mm-hmm. movies or all of them, maybe. Great. Beautiful. I'm down for that. Absolutely. Awesome. So this has been Face It. I've been your host, Matt, and I've had Josh here, and I've had our amazing, amazing guest, Toby here, which, Lemon, the man, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. Um, So this has been Face It, and uh, yeah, you can catch us on Instagram if you want to check us out, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, we're on it all. Did you want to plug your Instagram? Did you want to put that there? Yeah, um, follow me, Toby Maro. That's T-O-B-I-M-A-R-H-O. Toby Maro on Instagram. Perfect. Thank you so much, man. Thank you.